Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Finance and Accounting Show. And today we have a great guest because, you know, one of the big things that a lot of people in, you know, business are trying to figure out is what's the deal with FPNA and how do I develop the skills to work in FPNA? Because FPNA is becoming even more important to whatever business you're in. And so we're going to be diving into that. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest. Christian, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, Terrell. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I'm very interested in is definitely talking about what's going on with you in the FPNA space. I've been seeing some great things about, you know, new courses. I'm also seeing, you know, some of the content that you put out. So very interested in that. But before we jump into the details of that, can you tell the audience a little bit about your background? Sure. So I've been working in FP&A teams for the last, uh, now it's almost 13 years. Uh, I started my career at Procter & Gamble. It's a large uh, consumer goods company. Then I moved on to Unilever. It's, uh, it's another consumer goods company based in London. You may know Unilever from brands like uh, Breyers, Magnum, Ben & Jerry's ice cream and also other brands like Dove, for example, in the, in the consumer goods space. And I've done a number of different roles there in FP&A and I've also been leading FP&A teams over the last seven years. After Unilever, I moved into um, the tech space, first at Squarespace, it's a website builder, led the FP&A team there. And now I'm working at uh, another tech company called DataRails. Um, DataRails, provides FPNA software to automate um, reporting, consolidation, etc. And I'm the solution architect there. And um, I also I'm the founder of FPNA Prep. It's a company that helps people learn FPNA skills, you know, really master them from start to finish. And um, yeah, I created a, a course there that uh, actually launches again in two weeks. Nice, nice. Now, you know, one of the things that I, I really want to do before we, you know, we even go even further is, you know, unpack kind of what FPNA means, like what is FPNA? Because, you know, I, I was listening recently to um, the FPNA Today podcast with, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend Paul. And, yep. you know, one of the things that he talked about is how, like, you know, there's so many organizations that don't really know how to define FPNA, where there are some CFOs that say, okay, anybody, you know, FPNA is anybody who's not in controllership. <laughs> Just <laughs> like um, that may not necessarily be the best way to clarify it. So, from your perspective, how do you define like what is FPNA? Yeah. So, FPNA stands for financial planning and analysis. And essentially, it's uh, all about forward-looking assessments, right? To make it really simple. Accounting, you're looking at what is the performance today and what was the performance of the company yesterday. 
And in FPNA, we look at, OK, what does all of that mean in terms of the future? So we create forecasts, we create budgets, uh, and we help other leaders and other teams get better visibility of their numbers, You know, looking at what could be leading indicators, for example, that tell us something about how the business will develop. And then we, we use all that knowledge to uh, ideally become a strategic advisor to the business, meaning we take all that financial know-how and help leaders make decisions around uh, investments and um, uh, help evaluate which strategies work and which maybe need to be revised. That's it, in a, in really briefly in a nutshell. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, I, I like that definition because I, I do think it, it is... It is something that we're, we're we're living through an interesting space, and you know, I just think the the entire finance department as a whole, as more people are talking about, you know, becoming you know better business partners or or becoming you know better at really helping the the, the business make decisions. And one of the interesting things that I think about is like I've had some FPNA roles in in the past, and it's like I've tried to explain to some people like that's what FPNA has been about like the entire time <laughs> have you found that to i mean you know what's been your perspective on that like as, as people talk about you know the finance transformation um what are your thoughts like do you think fpna has kind of been playing that role or has been expected to play that role the entire time or do you think fpna's role is changing as well yeah, that's a great question. I actually do think um, FPNA's role is changing because um, there are different levels of implement FPNA implementation, if you will. Right, the, at the very basic level, when companies just first starting to explore uh, creating an FPNA team, it's usually just about managing budgets, maybe creating a really simple forecast by you know taking historical data and rolling that forward. Now that's that's the basic. Um, part, but more and more CFOs are realizing that FPNA can do a lot more. You know, so for example, um, we can we, we in, in in companies that have been doing FPNA for longer, FPNA doesn't just forecast uh, financial metrics in, in the PL or in the balance sheet. FPNA also partner with, let's say, your your R and D team or your sales team and your marketing team and take non-financial metrics that can sometimes you know, be much more indicative even than, than a revenue, which uh, you know, already happened. So for example, um, if FP&A really has the, is, is enabled to look at all the data in the company, like for example, um, traffic to your website or um, inventory levels, et cetera, then um, with our financial modeling skills, we can bring all that together and help with scenario planning. And I think that's really where the uh, companies can get more out of FPNA. And maybe that's not really, uh, when I talk to companies and when I advise companies, I, I, I don't see that implemented broadly yet, which is um, FPNA can make recommendations about not just we think the forecast will be 50 million for next quarter, but we think that the forecast may be between um, 40 million and 60 million. And here's what we recommend you do when, if it's just 40 million or when we're trending to 40 million in terms of uh, mitigating risks. And here's what we recommend you do when we're trending towards 60 million in terms of really capitalizing on those opportunities. 
And that, I think, is how FP&A also plays a big role um, when we're talking finance transformation, right? Because uh, digital transformation, finance transformation is all about how do we how do we get more value out of the broader finance team other than just uh, bean counting, if you will, right? Other than just uh, adding up the numbers, because there there there's automation that's coming there, and so I think where FPNA can and will do a lot more is really by including those non-financial metrics and then helping with decision making. Awesome. You know, you bring up some very interesting points that I kind of want to pull it back a little bit. So, you know, one of the things that you talked about is, you know, just that kind of that, that scenario planning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and you talked about modeling, you know, so how much, you know, experience did you have with modeling kind of in your earlier FPNA positions? And, you know, did it evolve over time or like kind of where you expected to come into FPNA? already having some of that. Yeah. Um, so at Unilever, where I spent seven years, every two, one and a half to two and a half years, uh, I rotated to a different role, you know, because I always felt like I wanted to try different things. I wanted to have a steep learning curve. And so, for example, I was partnering with the hair care team at Unilever. So that's a team that develops shampoos, conditioners, etc. Um, and uh, my job was to forecast innovations that are, gonna, are going to launch in the next three to five years. So they're still a bit farther out of, of the market. But my role was to do a model in terms of what can we expect to, uh, about sales, revenue, how much should we invest, and what is the profitability that we can expect. And I, ca I came into this without really ever having done that before. And the expectation was that I just figure it out by, by talking to colleagues, by, you know, through, through trial and error. And um, I, I managed to do it. You know, it was actually um, a, a really interesting process, but it was also stressful, right? Because you expected to just figure it out on your own and there wasn't, there wasn't much uh, motivation uh, or, or there wasn't much in terms of resources because um, I feel like companies, they often have uh, good documentation just for very basic financial concepts like what does a PL look like, you know, accrual versus cash accounting. But when it comes to FPNA specifically, you know, modeling, forecasting, budgeting, usually there isn't much there. And that was also part of the motivation why I set out to create my own course. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Now, in that journey, I guess, you know, as you're you're kind of figuring out the technical process or technical build, developing the technical skill of modeling, you know, then one of the things I guess that also comes into play is like the business acumen, you know, because, you know, how did you go about developing that? Because you're, you're developing your, your modeling skills. Now it's like to know what to model and you kind of mm -hmm. got to understand the business. So how did you develop that? Great point. Uh, that's also always what I tell my team is you need to focus on developing your business acumen because otherwise you're not going to be seen as a real strategic advisor, right? You need to speak the language and you need to know, you know, how does the business make money and what are the key drivers and how I always recommend people to go about uh, building business acumen is go out, set up meetings with people and just ask a lot of questions, you know, go and, and schedule a meeting with, with, uh, with the director of sales and the director of marketing 
and uh, maybe do it over lunch if they're really busy. You know, some people, you know, maybe difficult to get on the calendar, so you can do it over lunch. And then it all comes down to really asking, okay, how do we make money, right? What are the what challenges do you have with acquiring new customers? Um, what are your goals? You know, how are you going about trying to reach your goals with you know growing revenue or growing sales? And um, the the sometimes people tell me, oh, they don't have time to answer my questions. But actually, people are happy when you ask those questions and really try to understand the business because senior leaders, they know that finance, FP&A can just can add a lot more value if they understand how the business is run. Because then we can connect the dots and we don't just say, okay, here, here are the numbers you figured out. We can actually point to what do the numbers actually mean. And then we, we have the chance to add a lot more value. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. You know, and I'm curious of what your experience was, because when I think about my experience in FP&A to where, you know, something that you mentioned earlier about like kind of like developing those skills. And I think for some people, it can be overwhelming because like you're developing the modeling skills, um, you're getting the business acumen and then developing the skill of being able to translate the two so you can communicate the information. I think a lot of times my experience showed that you know, really who you worked with, the people that you worked with is kind of what was a huge factor in how well you developed. Did you find any resources outside of just, you know, the luck of the draw of working with people who can help you learn that? Like, were there any external resources that you saw that help people really become better at FPNA? Actually, there isn't I couldn't find much out there. You know, there when, when I first started uh, doing this, there, there were courses, but then you had to watch, you know, thirty hours of video, and I just didn't, <laughs> I just didn't have, I just didn't have the time to do that. But there, there are some blogs, but blog posts usually they only get you so far because that they're usually more theoretical, and you can't really. I found it difficult to bridge the gap to 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 apply uh, to apply what I read. So really, my go-to sources were uh, mentors. So I, I always was really fortunate to have mentors at the company I worked at. You know, usually I would just walk up walk up to a senior person and say, "Hey, would you be open to be to be my mentor? Is it okay if I come to you when when I'm stuck when I have questions?" And I never had someone say no to that, you know. So I always encourage people go out and, and try to get a mentor at your at your company because it's always best to learn from people who have been there before, you know, who struggled through, through the same things that you have, and who can, you know, who, for them it's easy to guide you because they know exactly what challenges you had because they had the same challenges uh, before. Awesome. Now, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm very interested in learning a little bit more about, because I said I, I saw the same thing is like I said, you know, you learn from the people and the environment and not everyone is lucky enough to, you know, be able to be around people who are really good at FPNA. But one of the things that you talked about was, you know, with the FPNA prep.com and the course. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of what people can expect from that and how that can help, you know, fill in the gaps for people who don't have the, you know, proximity of a good mentor. Right, right. So that's exactly the, the problem I'm trying to solve here is that especially people who work at, at smaller companies where maybe you're the only person in the FP&A team or, you know, it's just a handful of people, 
you just don't have uh, experienced people to ask. And so I created a course called FPNA Bootcamp. And um, instead of watching uh, pre-recorded videos, it's all live over Zoom. So it's um, four workshops. Each workshop is two hours long. So that, you know it's manageable for, for busy professionals. And uh, my goal was to help people who are who are who are new to FPNA, you know, who maybe have done accounting for several years. And now they're being asked to lead an FPNA team, to build an FPNA team, or just do forecasting and budgeting. Uh, that's one portion of my students. And then another big portion is also FPNA finance leaders, you know, actually have been doing it for a while, but they just don't know what they don't know, right, is what they're telling me. They want to know, okay, what, what are the best practices for forecasting, budgeting, also business partnering, modeling, and uh, they want to know how are other companies tackling it. And uh, that's why, why I like so much that it's interactive, because through Zoom, people learn from me, but people also can talk to each other and uh, ask each other, okay, you're running a company at a similar size as mine. How are you dealing with planning, right? How are you setting up your annual planning process? Which software, which tools are you using for your accounting system, for your FP&A system, for your HR system? And so people get the value from uh, what I'm teaching, what I'm sharing, what I learned over the last 13 years, and also from learning from each other. Um, and yeah, that's been working really well. And um, people are telling me that it's it's rather than being very deep. So for example, we, we have a whole workshop about financial modeling, but you're not going to learn how to build um, an M&A buyout model, right? That's much too specific. But it covers what are the most uh, five commonly, the most commonly used financial models, when should you use which model, and how do you build any model from scratch so you don't, uh, so you can answer questions quickly. Because I think anyone, uh, probably people have experienced this before, if you get a question and it takes you two hours to answer it, you know, then probably um, there's something you can do in making your model more, more responsive. And that's what we're focusing on in the modeling workshop, just to give one example um, of uh, what people can expect. I, I also awesome. I love it because I think that there are, there's so many businesses that are in need of being able to get the wisdom out of the numbers and the data. And I think FPNA is in a phenomenal place to do that. So for people who are interested in, you know, checking out that course, where can they find it online? Yeah. So the best place to go is fpaprep.com slash course. So it's fpa, like fpna, prep.com slash course. And that brings you to the landing page of the course here. And you can, you can re read reviews of people uh, that have done it before when you scroll down here. And you can see exactly what's covered. You can see what you learn and um, also all the logistics around timing, et cetera. And uh, yeah, the next course starts on June 13th. The, the final deadline to apply is June 10th. So yeah, it's just uh, the right time to, to join. We still have a few seats left. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So one other thing I wanted to ask about was, you know, you also share content on, you know, on social media. Um, can you tell people where they can, where's the best place to find you on social media and what can they expect from the content that you share there? 
Yeah, so I post uh, between three and five times per week on LinkedIn, and that's really the place where I share, you know, what I learned uh, in, a, in a really brief and succinct fashion. You know, I, I don't hold anything back. But of course, you know, compared to the course, it's always very succinct and, and, and brief. And in the course, you have the chance to apply what you learn in, in workshops and breakout sessions um, and, and, and group discussions. But follow me on LinkedIn because there um, I, I write about forecasting, you know, best practices around forecasting, planning, um, budget management, modeling, you know, everything, all the, the subtopics of FP&A that I'm really excited about. And my focus there is always so that um, with every piece of content that I put out, you can take something away that you can uh, apply right away. So that's really important to me. So you won't find just um, dry theory. The goal really is to make it applicable so people can take something away from it. Awesome. I love it. Well, before we wrap up, one final question I love asking every guest is when you think about your experience and your journey through finance and FP&A and business, it's, you know, what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other finance and accounting professionals? And it could be something you've already said that you want to reiterate, or it can be two new points. Yeah. So the first piece of advice that I would give everyone is Stay curious. FP&A, finance, accounting as well, is all about asking the right questions. And the best way that I found to come up with the right questions is before you even have a meeting with someone, um, brainstorm a list of questions, you know, try to come up with as many questions as possible. That's usually how I felt, you know, I come up with, with new ways to look at things, with new places to get people thinking outside of the box, because the point is, people need to keep in mind, asking questions is not just, it doesn't just help you learn more. It also helps the other person thinking differently, right? Approaching things from a different angle that maybe they haven't thought about before. So don't think that if you just ask people a lot of questions about how the business works, you know, how they're trying to achieve things, it's not a selfish thing. It actually may even help drive the business forward. Um, so that's number one. And um, the other one, Let's see, there's so much um, that we could talk about for, for, for to be successful in FP&A. But the, to me, one of the things that really helped me um, over the years is try to go out there and talk to people. So I already talked about asking questions, but asking questions is just, is just the first step. The other step is try to go out to people, talk to them, and then see if you can help them in one shape or form. Because what I realized is um, people, especially in FP&A, we often have to ask for things, right? We, when we're explaining the month and close, for example, or we need to create a forecast, we often go and say, okay, you need to give me A, B, and C by yesterday, right? Because it's always urgent. And um, sometimes you run into issues where people may be hesitant, they're busy. But what I learned is if you just approach your professional relationship from a mindset of, of giving, you know, by, by going out there and seeing how can I, how can I help this person make their life easier? Um, the whole relationship improves and you, 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 you'll see that actually people will be more likely to just get back to you right away when you need to. Just to give a few quick examples, um, you may be able to help your, your business partners with automating some of their 
reporting. You know, in finance, we're typically very well versed with Excel. Some of our business partners and other functions may not be. So a, a great way to help them is, hey, I see that you're doing a lot of manual copy pasting in your Excel. Maybe I can write you a quick macro to do that. Or maybe I can help you how to build a formula. And that's a way how we can start you know, giving back to people rather than always just asking for things. And that helped me uh, tremendously in, in building relationships. And then as a result of that, having more impact in my roles. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, Christian, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you, Terrell. It was great having you as well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Finance and Accounting Show. If you like what you heard, don't be selfish. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and then share this with a friend because you know a business owner that could definitely use this insight. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and turn on the notification bell so you get all the updates when we release a new episode.